welcome to the Discuss with Andy podcast. Here we are again with Andy discussing uh, the future of the Olympic Games or the state of the Olympic Games. Uh, Andy, are you well? Yeah, all good, thank you, Ollie. I'm on a holiday in France at the moment, um, enjoying the weather, but desperately hoping I'll be able to get back and not be quarantined. Uh, well, we hope so too. I've seen a few pictures of you cooling down in that in that hot weather. Um, very uh, intuitive and innovative of you uh, to find that way. I won't share it with the with the listeners. They can use their own uh, imagination there. Um, so why why this? Why are we talking about the Olympic Games right now? We're talking about the Olympics because it should be the Olympics at the moment. Um, something that everybody looks forward to, every sports fan looks forward to every four years. The chance to see a whole load of minor sports that you've got no interest in the rest of the time, but all of a sudden becomes interesting during the Olympics. Is that not the fascination of the Olympics? The fact that you can see these, these sports once every four years? It is, absolutely it is. I mean, uh, rowing, it's just not very interesting, is it? But during the Olympics, it is. Uh, I love watching things like the gymnastics because it's not something you see that often. Uh, and they are just incredible. White water canoeing, I'll watch every four years. Um, race walking, I won't watch. Um, there's just all these minor sports. It's, I've heard it described before as it's like a sports day, isn't it? It's like a school sports day for elite athletes. It's, I mean, you're clearly uh, very passionate about this subject. I suspect you've watched a fair few Olympic Games over the years, um, and and I know you'll be well read around it. So, obviously, Tokyo has been postponed. Um, do you think that will go ahead next year? I don't think it's a definite. The, the survey out. Uh, done with the Japanese population last year, uh, last week. They're not overly keen on hosting it now. Um, there's, as there always is with any Olympic bid, there's lots of resistance to the cost, essentially, and the disruption it will cause. They kind of feel that they've spent a whole load of money, they're now going to have to spend a whole load more. Is it going to be worth it? Will it be safe to travel? So it's not a done deal. So is that the is that the Japanese government as well, or is that just the people? The Japanese government are desperate to run it because ultimately countries host things like the Olympics for the prestige and the status that it gives them. Yeah. If you then decide you're not going to host it, you lose all of that. And also, of course, they spent a whole load of money so far. They're never going to get that back. Well, yeah, I think the the cost of the Olympics. Let's let's go into a bit more about that. So, um, have you got any you know rough figures of how much it costs to run an Olympic Games? I don't think anybody truly knows. There are lots of figures available. I think we think London came in anywhere between fifteen and twenty billion. Beijing, they talk about forty billion dollars. Uh, Tokyo, somewhere around twenty-five billion. Is it's an estimate though. That is a lot of money. Um, it is a lot of money. Do they do they think about how, how do they get that money back? Well, what's interesting from the host country's point of view is you don't really get that money back other than the ways you could look at it is it boosts the economy because of the jobs that are created in constructing the venues. It boosts the economy because of the tourist spend in hotels, restaurants, and things like that. 
but actually you get no money for doing it. Wow. Okay, so the so let's because so the, there was a lot more money. It's not just about building the facilities and um, ho- hosting an event. That there's money that goes around all over the place. So when we look at um, TV rights, for instance, where do, where does that money go? With the TV rights, it's a brilliant piece of work by the International Olympic Committee because they take all the money for the TV rights. Now they will say that they distribute some of that to. Uh, individual nations, Olympic associations. But the IOC, they'll stand to lose money if the Olympics don't happen because they'll have to hand the TV rights money back. But to a large degree, they've got far less to worry about than the host city because they don't have to pay anything to set the Olympics up. It's a a brilliant business plan. Get someone else to wear all the costs and you keep all the profits. That does seem pretty shrewd. It's a very shrewd, shrewd piece of work. So I think the uh, TV rights on the Olympic cycle are close to $5 billion. The so, International Olympic Committee's got res- cash reserves of over a billion dollars. Sorry, say those figures again, Andy. So did you say the US network money? No, the, the whole TV rights for the Olympic cycle... Yeah. Just got so for the four year cycle, uh, the IOC rake in somewhere between 4.6 to 5 billion US dollars. The majority of that comes from NBC in the States. Okay. Um, so they do pay most of that. And so uh, they pay about, sort of about half of that, about $2.5 billion over each four year period. And they pay it straight to the IOC. And then the IOC claim that they distribute to other countries. They distribute some of it, and obviously they do incur some costs as well. But they do pretty well out of it. So as as the UK, as the GB team, um, do we get more money than maybe somewhere like uh, the Seychelles um, because we have more, more people participating? doesn't seem to work like that no um the individual olympic associations they do get some grants from the ioc although it's not very much but if you look at the british olympic association it receives no government money like organizations such as sports uh, such as uk sports sport they completely rely on private sponsors to okay. actually fund their own organization and is that how probably most i IOC representatives function? It, it is, yeah, that's how they go. And yeah, they will get a little bit of money from the IOC as well. Oh, wow, amazing. Um, so what what are the IOC trying to do um, to, make the, to make the Olympics more current, to make it more appealing? What they're trying to do is, and it looks to some degree like they're pandering to NBC, is they just add sports. They add sports, which they feel that TV sees as a more attractive uh, thing than possibly modern pentathlon. So they've begun to add sports like surfing, skateboarding, um, three-on-three basketball, and they do seem to be things that are driven by what the American networks want to show. Andy, so why are these sports um, specifically being put in? 
It would seem that the Olympics needs to make itself relevant for the 21st century sports fan. Uh, the Olympics started off back in 1896. There were nine sports. It sort of grew and grew till we got to around anywhere between 19 and 21, um, up to the 1980 Olympics. And then from there, from Los Angeles in 1984, the only Olympics that's ever made a profit for the hosting uh, country, by the way, it just seems to have grown and grown and grown until we had 28 sports at Rio, uh, and now we're up to 33 sports now. So why did the LA hosting country make money? How did they do that? A couple of simple reasons. One is they didn't have to spend any money on infrastructure. They had most of the venues that they needed to use already there. And also, commercially, they did a fantastic job of just selling everything that they could. One of the problems the Olympic host has now is the International Olympic Committee. You'll see the sponsorship in the stadiums, McDonald's, Coca-Cola. All that goes to the IOC as well. So it does become very difficult for a host nation to make money. Okay, so specific Olympic sponsorship goes to the IOC and uh, the networks that, um, say, like NBC or ITV would obviously be selling time within the within the events, within the programmes, um, to make some of that money back that they're already paying to the IOC. That's it, and it's not to make the money back, it's to make the money back and, and then make a profit. Right, yeah. So... The more sports you show that people want to watch, that the youth want to watch, say skateboarding or surfing, then the more you can charge your advertisers for associating themselves with that program. So would anybody else apart from maybe the networks benefiting from, from having surfing, skateboarding, three-on-three basketball included? You've got to think, as a network, do you really want to show fencing if you're dependent on advertising income? Do you really want to show modern pentathlon? Ultimately, do you want to really show rowing, rhythmic gymnastics, things like that? So what they say is they are all traditional sports, but the world has moved on. And is it, I mean, is that a problem that, the, that we're adding new, more relevant sports? I don't think it's a problem because the world has changed. Um, there's five sports that have been in every Olympics. Can you guess what they are? Uh, athletics. Yep. Uh, swimming. Correct. Um, horse riding. No. No. Uh, go on, help me out. Cycling. Oh, yeah. Both track and road, actually. Gymnastics. And the one that I don't think anyone would get is fencing. Right, okay. Um, it's such a big deal, though, for sports if you are thrown out of the Olympics in terms of the funding you'll get from your uh, national sports associations and things like that. The sports fight very hard not to be kicked out. So you have sports like uh, baseball and softball were kicked out and they didn't take part in uh, London, but they've now got themselves back on the programme. And so how have they managed to get themselves back on the programme? Lots and lots of lobbying. <laughs> to say, I mean, clearly things like baseball is only leading to, to one country winning that. 
Yes, baseball and softball, both. But then you do see things, karate is included in Tokyo 2020 because the Japanese push for that. And somehow I think that seems fair enough. Are the, are the host nation not allowed to add one of their own accord, their own choice, aren't they? I don't think it works like that necessarily, no. Right, I think okay. you still have to fight. Because once something is in, it is quite hard to get rid of it. Okay. So what what might be the... Do you know what the reasons for getting rid of a sport might be? Uh, you can claim things like it doesn't have enough of a global presence. Um, if that was the case, though, you wouldn't have sports like track cycling and um, yachting, sailing. So it really does come down to how good your international governing body is and how hard they will fight and how hard they will lobby. I'm sure there's some other things that goes on as well behind closed doors. Yeah, very much so. So are there any sports that are missing out because um, because of these new sports? You get sports that we know well, like netball, are desperate to be in the Olympics. It's a Commonwealth Games sport, not an Olympic one. Yeah. Um, I think the argument generally given is it is only played in the Commonwealth and it's not played worldwide. That's an argument you could throw about rugby seven, so of course. I was just about to say, surely sevens, surely sevens fits that bill as well. I think what you've got there is you've got a better funded international governing body who could push much harder. In the IRB? Yes. All world rugby is now called. Oh yeah, of course. Sorry, I keep up to date. Make sure, make yourself relevant, Rog. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, I've I've been to some amazing places, and I've always seen netball being played in remote places of Africa. Yes, but those places, of course, are likely to be ex-British colonies. Okay, fair enough. You look at places like Malawi, who are good at netball. Yeah. There's a reason for. Is there not? Um, is there a resistance against trying to make the Commonwealth Games too close to the Olympic Games and vice versa? I think the Commonwealth Games for a netball player is the pinnacle, other than the World Cup. Um, but you only have to look at track and field athletes and how many will choose to miss a Commonwealth Games to see how relevant it is to them. Yeah, there's definitely um, a hierarchy of events and uh, the Olympics comes normally before the Commonwealth if you are included in both. Yeah, I think that's one of my problems with a lot of the sports that get added to the Olympics is um, an Olympic gold should be the absolute pinnacle of your sporting career. But I'm pretty sure if you asked Roger Federer whether he'd rather win Wimbledon or an Olympic gold when he could only have one or the other, which one do you think he would take? I'm pretty sure he'd take Wimbledon, wouldn't he? He would, and I'm sure with the golfers as well, that they would rather win the US Open or the Masters than an Olympic gold. A footballer would rather win the World Cup than an Olympic gold. It's not to diminish their achievements if they win it, but it's not the pinnacle of your sport, in my opinion. You shouldn't be in the Games. Justin Rose was... He was um, he was he was overjoyed with winning the the gold day. He was, and what I enjoyed about that was he just loved being at the Olympics and he went to watch absolutely everything. Surely, there's an argument there that this will grow and potentially be the biggest thing. I, you only have to look at the amount who missed it uh, to realise that it isn't. 
And also, we then get to my other issue with the IOC, is they make all this money. The people they need to make their uh, big festival of sport success is the top athletes, and yet they don't pay them any prize money. Uh, so here we go. There's a, there's a question. Why why then is it? Surely it was about taking part. The original the original um, Olympic Games was about being there and, and being the best, and um, and not about professionalism. Now, obviously, the world has changed. So should the IOC be changing that? Um, in my opinion, yes, they should. Um, when Pierre de Coubertin started the modern Olympics in 1896, we still believed in the concept of the gentleman amateur and playing sports for fun and fair play and the values it taught us. But at the top level, it's a completely different thing. Every other sport is professional now. Um, there's Most people have realised they've had to go that way. The Olympic athletes are full-time in training. They deserve to be paid. Yeah, it is their job, isn't it? However much they say it's, 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 uh, it's amateur. Is there is there a good example of where it, boxing at some point was very much amateur? Is boxing is a bit of an odd one because it is it was until recently purely an event for amateurs. Yeah, but you would have this strange thing if you look at Rob McCracken, who's Anthony Joshua's training trainer. He runs the British Olympic uh, boxing program with the Team GB program out of uh, Sheffield Hallam University. Yeah. Um, at the Olympics, because he trains professionals, he isn't allowed to go ringside. Okay. Which is a little bit odd. Um, but they have now said that professionals can enter the Olympics, but no professionals can be bothered to because uh, why should they? They won't earn any money. Yeah, it's, it's it's almost a very different sport. The professional sport of boxing from my very naive point of view, looks very different to the amateur world of boxing. Yes, just in terms of how it's judged. Yeah, the, the length the of the bouts, the, the way they go about things, um, the frequency of the fights um, yes. doesn't lend itself to being professional. You know, the, the glitz and the glam of, of a professional boxing career, and I'm sure there's a lot of spit and sawdust in there as well, don't get me wrong, um, but when you you know when they hype it, they hype it, and that doesn't seem to be the case in the in the boxing world, amateur boxing world. No, which is, which is nice. I like the fact that it is slightly different for the boxers at the Olympics. Um, it does make it quite interesting, but ultimately, that Olympic medal becomes a stepping stone to a professional career. Definitely, that's. I mean, that that is definitely the case, isn't it? It does seem like it's it's a, it's a pathway, uh, almost a ticket to to a professional contract. Um, it, it does, but then you'll see people. If you look at Daniel Dubois, who's one of the rising heavyweights in Britain, he was in the program and he left it to turn professional um, because there was money available. So before he even went to the Olympics. Yes. And you do see quite a number do that. Yeah, that'd be. A shame to lose that because um, I think in, from boxing terms it seems like a lot of them really appreciate that clipping of the wings um, time in the Olympics 
before they turn professional. They they quite yeah, value that. It's a really good grounding, but if you are from a uh, pretty poor background where your family don't have much money and you can start earning decent cash at 19 as a pro, what would you do? Yes, there's always that. If you have nothing <laughs> and somebody offers you something, you, you might, you're more likely to take it, aren't you? That's it. I think that's my gripe with the IOC is the Olympics is special and it's special that people don't do it for the money. But the TV rights are sold because we want to watch the world's best do things, yet the world's best receive none of that. But clearly, clearly there are um, imbalances because because it is still trying to be a an amateur event. But there is huge amounts of money, and you can't tell me that some of the biggest you know Usain Bolt doesn't get paid to be a to be a runner. Usain Bolt Olympic success enables him to charge massive appearance fees on the Diamond League circuit. It enables him to rack up a whole host of corporate sponsors but the vast majority of Olympic sports people are in minor sports they don't have that uh, they don't have that profile to be able to do that so looking at the things like the badminton world those yeah those those athletes are unlikely to be uh, full-time professionals or the majority of them are unlikely to be uh, or if they are they're living off very little um and need the Olympics to, to get that profile. It's actually a little bit different for the top badminton players because the vast majority of them are Chinese, Malaysian or Indonesian, where they are held in very high esteem. So actually they can earn pretty well. As a British one, it might be a bit, uh, bit more different. Yeah, certainly I was thinking more of the, uh, the British aspects with Gail Ems and Nathan Robertson um, Going back in time a bit, probably there's probably a few more now that I should know about. Um, yeah. And Brampton lost its funding after Rio as well. It's UK Sport funding because, uh, well, it was a really odd one because they did actually hit their medal targets, which is what you normally uh, are funded off. That does seem a bit unfair, doesn't it? It does seem a little bit unfair. Yes. So was there an underlying criteria there, or that nobody else knew I about? Just, it's very difficult to win medals in badminton. <laughs> it is with no funding. Yeah, unlike sports like track cycling, where which really is pretty much a closed shop, isn't it? You need velodromes, you need expensive equipment, um, all things that rich countries can provide. Yeah, I mean, it, British cycling went through a stage of being very connected with Team Sky, didn't it? So... That that's hugely professional, and you know the science behind behind those guys. How did how did was it Rob McCracken? You said wasn't allowed ringside, yet Dave Bra- yeah. yet Dave Brailsford was. Yeah, I don't know how these things work, but it does seem a bit of an anomaly, doesn't it? Yeah, they are now two separate entities, though, aren't they? Yes, no, I I get they split, but still, there was still that time when, and I suspect if they were part of both, then. Um, in some way, I suspect they would still be allowed, wouldn't they? Andy, you seem to have some really good views and I'm sure some 
spark some questions through other through our listeners. Um, are there any other sports that maybe you think need to change or could do with a tweak um, in order to maybe have a bit more fairness or um, higher status within the within the Olympic Games? I do feel that there's 34 medals available for aquatics. Um, eight of those are for diving, so we'll let we'll put the divers to one side for a second because I think that's fair. I've got a big issue with one of the things you always get at Olympic time is Michael Phelps, the greatest Olympian ever. My answer to that will be he's probably the greatest swimmer ever, but he is in a sport where there are an awful lot of opportunities to win medals. If you look at the swimming program, 26 golds available. My big issue I've got is you go oh, there's you go from the 50 meter freestyle up to the 1500 freestyle. There's goals away for those who so go 50, 100, 200, 400, 800, 15, and then then it's a 10k open water swim. I believe fervently that breaststroke and backstroke have no place in the Olympic Games. Um, the beauty about track and field and uh, and swimming is it's the fastest person to swim a distance or run a distance or throw an object. Well, you, in swimming, you can get a gold medal for doing breaststroke, which is slower than if you did it properly and swam front crawl. And to me, that makes no sense. Um, it would be like having a backwards running race or a sideways running race. Um, it's just completely illogical. So there's some big comments there, Andy. I mean, yeah, certainly certainly that getting to a certain distance the quickest is the most impressive, isn't it? Um, I'm sure Adam Peaty would have something to say about breaststroke not being... Um, is there not enough difference point of difference between the two or the, the four strokes? Um, because they do look very different. They, they, of course, they look very different. I don't deny that. And I also don't deny that they're hard. But if you were going to swim 50 metres as fast as you can or 10 kilometres as fast as you can, you would choose to uh, swim crawl. So running sideways and backwards is difficult, but you can't win a medal for doing it. It's, a, it's an interesting viewpoint. I mean, yeah, they there do seem to be a lot of medals, and, and if there are more medals available, um, then clearly you don't have... Um, clearly you've got more opportunities, so therefore one person like Phelps is 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 able to pick up more. What about... The, what about if we go then... Sorry, Andy, go on. I think that's the thing about the front crawl as well, or the freestyle, is... There's such small dis- differences in the length of the events. You know, on the track, you go 100, 200, 400, then you get to 800. It, it just, you've got the opportunity, 50, 100. It, I don't know. I think they're a little bit too close to each other and what's demanded of you physiologically. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, we don't have a 60-meter race, do we? Um, no. Or 150. Claim, of course, if you look at things like hurdles, that... Uh, you know, that gives track and field athletes opportunities. And there were, uh, back in the depths of time, there was a swimming obstacle race, which has now been taken off the program. Was there really? And there was, and there was an underwater swimming race, which has been taken off the program. Get those um, back in. Get those back in. That's it. You see, so I'd be fine with that. Get rid of the backstroke 
and the breaststroke, but bringing in underwater swimming in the swimming obstacle race. Is it how far you can go underwater? Uh, no, you've got to swim the whole length underwater. Okay. So there was also an event, it's only been on the programme once, called Swimming for Sailors. But I never <laughs> quite got my head around what that actually was. <laughs> swimming for Sailors, amazing. Swimming for Sailors, yeah. Okay, so we've established that the IOC are not going to make any uh, lose any money by cancelling uh, or postponing the Tokyo Olympics um, because they've got no overheads, but they'll just give back the money to to the networks. Uh, Tokyo are likely to lose an absolute fortune if this doesn't go ahead, and they're going to have to spend a bit more money if they uh, if it does go ahead, um, and and that's going to be you know pretty hard to swallow for the for the locals who will probably fit the brunt of that plenty of so how many how many medals were available gold medals was it gold medals available last olympics yeah rio wise there was 307 golds available um although there's only 33 sports there are so many different disciplines within those sports freestyle and greco Roman wrestling rhythmic and artistic gymnastics white water and flat canoeing etc yeah so that's why it seems like the number of medals is high for the number of sports surely i'm going to go back a bit sorry andy i'm going to go back and the if we're looking at uh the best you know person to to run that distance the best person to throw that weight or the best person to jump that height um do we not get rid of weight categories in boxing actually if if you're the best, then then you're the best. Um, well, and you would say, I guess you would say that that's really not particularly inclusive, and you're then going to have very few sports for the little tiny uh, girl or boy. Yeah, fair enough. But then, if you want to be inclusive, but I suppose, well, no, because breaststroke is a, don't tend to cross over to other sports, do they? Or did Phelps do that? No, but I'm pretty sure that Adam Peaty could uh, swim pretty good front crawl. <laughs> Yeah, he's, I reckon he'd beat me. Um, yeah, absolutely certainly beat me. <laughs> okay, so you talked about you know the uh, being the pinnacle, the sport Olympics should be the pinnacle of any sport, um, and some sports have bought into that, and some sports haven't. You mentioned tennis and golf; would those athletes would potentially look to forego an Olympic gold medal in order to win? Um, one of the other majors or opens and so what about these new sports like surfing skateboarding basket three by three basketball that you've talked about um are they buying into this this elevation of the olympic games being the pinnacle of their sport i think if you look at three and three basketball um it won't be the pinnacle of uh basketball because the best basketball players in the world play in the nba and they don't play three on three so while I'm sure it will be exciting and interesting to watch, it will not be the best of the best. Some of the skateboarders, if you think about Tony Hawk, skateboarding legend, he doesn't believe that skateboarding has a place. He feels that the IOC needs skateboarding far more than skateboarding needs that. Um, it's a, that sort of countercultural thing it has. Um, the fact that actually to some degree it's just about having fun and enjoying it, and now you're making, turning everything into a competition, which kind of goes against the ethos of it. 
Didn't they do that with the X Games, though, themselves? Yeah, I guess it would be interesting, wouldn't it, to ask a skateboarder, what would you rather win, the Vans World Series and X Games medal or an Olympic gold? Yeah, I mean, I, I've watched some, some, some sort of street sport type things with the X Games and they they seem to enjoy the moment more in terms of they want to see their competitors do well. Um, and if somebody pulls off a, if somebody pulls off a trick, they love it. Um, whereas if I don't necessarily see that, actually you've just punched me in the face and that really hurt. I'm not really that pleased that you won gold and I'm now silver. Yeah. I, they, their events have their own feel, their own atmosphere and I'm not sure the Olympics will be able to recreate that, will it? Who knows? It will certainly bring a different market, different um, different people to it, um, different exposure. Certainly, there's a lot of funding going around um, to these different sports to try and keep people active. You know, no, recently the government's been talking about the obesity rates and things like that, trying to make sure that they're, you know, that they reckon it's going to be a huge, huge issue coming up. I think it's a huge issue now, let alone coming up. Is there maybe, if we relate this to what we do, we work in the education environment, should we be keeping up with this and having skateboarding and and surfing in, in the curriculum? I, I just think it's really nice that some sports have grown organically without having to be taught that people go down to their local skate park and they just give it a go. Yeah. I think there's probably too much organisation now about play. Um, everything's now about play dates or it's about rugby tots or it's about soccer tots or everything is, in my opinion, far too structured and it's nice to have things like skateboarding where people just go out and give it a crack. And then we as educators are giving them fundamental movement skills to be able to roll and balance and and they transfer it in however they want, whether it be through the football, the uh, the rugby, the the skateboarding, and they release yeah, those. I mean, that would that obviously seems like a a great utopia for me. Is I'll give you a load of skills, uh, and you you translate them however you feel, as long as you stay active and healthy and and enjoy yourself without hurting other people. Um, you know, I'll find yeah. those avenues for you. Yeah, you go out, and give it a crack. Sounds good. Anything else you want to add about the Olympics, Andy, before you go? No, I'm all good sport because I, uh, I really ought to get on with my day on holiday. <laughs> really appreciate your time, Andy. You, uh, you're a source of a huge source of information, and uh, it's been fascinating talking about the Olympics, so many different avenues, about the funding, about the new sports, uh, about maybe the direction. Um, and for me personally, hopefully the you know the the Tokyo Olympics can go ahead without too much heartache to the to the Japanese communities um, because the athletes do work hard and some of them inevitably will miss out um, will. in four years' Shame. time. Um, so brilliant! Thanks very much, Andy. And uh, next Thanks week, so next day. yeah, and you, buddy. Speak to you soon. Cheers, bye bye. Bye bye. Yeah,